0: I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome everybody to episode 269 of the podcast. I am happy as always to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You are not going to want to miss all the action that is coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, it's time for another Dads of the NFL Hall of Fame episode. Today's Hall of Famer is arguably the greatest cornerback to ever play the game. Mike Haynes joins me on the podcast today. He played for both the Patriots and the Raiders. He is a Super Bowl champion with the Raiders, and his number 40 has been retired by the New England Patriots. Mike Haynes will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And Mike Haynes is the ninth NFL Hall of Famer to join me on the podcast here on the fourth Just this month, the other Hall of Famers that you heard this month include Tim Brown, Ronnie Lott, and Terrell Davis. If you missed out on any of those, please be sure to roll it back and check them out. And I do have an awesome guest announcement for you guys. My run of NFL Hall of Fame dads will continue next week with the first undrafted quarterback and first African-American quarterback to be enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. First Class Father Warren Moon will be joining me here, so make sure you lock it in for next week's podcast. And I'll tell you what, next week is really shaping up to be one of the best weeks of all time. Also next week joining me will be retired Delta Force operator Pat McNamara and ultimate fighting championship president Dana White. All right, so make sure you lock it in and follow me over on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace to find out who else will be joining me here next week. And I cannot say thank you enough for all of you listeners out there. If you have a minute, please consider hitting me with a rating or a review over on iTunes. It really goes a long way to help me out here. And please keep your suggestions coming. I've had so many guests on the show now as a direct result of you guys coming up with guest suggestions. So please follow me on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace or at First Class Fatherhood and hit me with a direct message. I try to reply to each and every one of them or feel free to shoot me a email, firstclassfatherhood at gmail.com. And as always, please help me spread the word about the show here, especially to anybody that you know that's about to become a father. And just anybody that you know that's a father in your neighborhood or in your contact list, let them know about the show that's celebrating fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood rocks, family values rule, and every day is Father's Day right here with me. And I'm going to be right back with NFL Hall of Famer, Mike Haynes. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. Hey, dads, are you looking to boost your energy level? Strikeforce Energy has got you covered. With a Strike Force Energy packet, you can turn any beverage into an energy drink. Their original energy packets contain no sugar, no calories, just an explosion of energy and flavor added to any beverage. Strikeforce Energy is veteran-owned, and all their products are made right here in the United States. Co-founded by Navy SEAL, Sean Mattson, Force Energy blows away the energy drink competition. Right now, First Class Fatherhood listeners can save... off their purchase by visiting strikeforceenergy.com and using the promo code FATHERHOOD. Strikeforce Energy turns any beverage into an energy drink. Get yours today. Strikeforceenergy.com, promo code FATHERHOOD. All right, joining me now is a first-class father. He is a former first-round pick of the 1976 NFL Draft. He is a nine-time Pro Bowl cornerback who is a Super Bowl champion. He was selected for the NFL's 75th anniversary all-time team, as well as the NFL's 1980s all-decade team. He is, of course, enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It is an honor for me to say, Mike Haynes, welcome to First Class Fatherhood.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: All right, let's start here. How
2: many kids do you have and how old are they? I have six kids. Uh, my youngest
1: is 15, and my oldest will turn 40 this year.
2: Wow, okay, yeah, that's a, a, a big uh, age range there. I have four myself from uh, 13 down to five, so um, uh, that, that's quite impressive. Uh, what type well, of a sport? Two marriages, two marriages. Yeah, you know, I want to make
1: that clear that I don't want anybody to think that I married superwoman who could have one kid that's 40 another one's 15. <laughs> that doesn't happen. Two different marriages.
2: Okay, what type of uh, sports activities were they all into growing up?
1: Um, basketball, baseball, um, football, uh, lacrosse, you know, basically those.
2: Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's a wide variety there as well. And did you get involved with coaching at all, Mike, or did you kind of enjoy that all from the sideline?
1: No, I did because they, because they wanted to play football. I got into coaching and, um, uh, because they, I, he, my one son, my oldest son wanted to play basketball. And uh, they didn't have any more coaches, uh, so they were going to they were gonna have to cut out the teams. And I said, well, I'll coach a team. And so I got into coaching basketball. Um, and, you know, for a guy who really didn't know a lot about basketball, I I knew a lot of guys who did know a lot about basketball. Oh, and soccer. I left out soccer. That was my, my first family. That was their number one sport was soccer. So um, I got into coaching, and that made a difference, and, you know, especially for the ones that played football. I wanted to make sure that the game was safe. I didn't play youth football when I was a kid because my parents didn't feel it was very safe, and I I wasn't sure myself. So I got involved mainly not so much to coach my kids, but to make sure that um, the kids were going to be safe.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. Man. Yeah, talk about sports you don't know a lot about. I ended up coaching soccer myself there with my kids. I, it's a sport I know absolutely nothing about, so that was kind of interesting. <laughs> uh if you could Mike please just take a minute here to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background
1: well um uh let's see, I grew up in los angeles uh california um uh, you know basically in in the sixties and seventies I started college in nineteen seventy two um I played all kinds of sports as a kid uh, i did not play soccer it was it was uh popular with uh our european european and our Mexican mexican community. Um, But, you know, for my area where I was, um, I didn't get to play. Um, When I had kids later, I wished I had because I I think it's a great sport. Uh, But I went away to college uh, um, to Arizona State where I started as a freshman, um, played um, defensive back, uh, then um, had a great three years in college, played in three Fiesta Bowls my senior year. We were undefeated. Uh, played Nebraska and uh, beat them in the Fiesta Bowl. They had been number one all year, and because we were undefeated, we thought we'd end our season being number one, uh, but we ended up number two. They gave it to Oklahoma. Uh, That was a first-round draft pick into the NFL to the New England Patriots. Um, I was Rookie of the Year, uh, played with a lot of great athletes, both in college and in pros, um, then traded to the Raiders, um, uh, kind of a controversial trade, you might say, in 1983 uh but that raider team uh we went on and won the Super Bowl um beating the Washington Redskins who were defending uh, Super Bowl champions uh and I, so I played 7 years with the Patriots 7 years with the Raiders uh had a great career 14 years uh retired and then uh got into uh, some businesses that kept me in sports um one of them uh was working at Callaway Golf where I was a global licensing manager and didn't, didn't really Know that I had a lot of experience with sports and management and athletes until that job, and uh, I thought uh, I thought I was going to need a lot of help, but really I needed very little help. Just need some help with contracts and you know just getting making sure that uh, um, everybody was doing things the right way legally. Um, and so after that job, I transitioned. Uh, Mr. Callaway died actually, and the company culture started to change. And um, I started trying to figure out what I wanted to do next, and I heard about an opportunity at the NFL. So um went for an interview there. They liked me, and they put me in charge of transition. So for guys who were transitioning out of college into pro football and out of pro football back into what we call normal life, um, I was put in charge of uh, developing programs to try and make that a smooth transition both ways um, for the players and their families. And so um I enjoyed that. Uh then I was uh diagnosed with cancer. Um and uh, figured um I think I wanted to come back home. So I moved back to California. Um left that great job that I had um uh, helping players because I thought this was the end of the world for me. Um but now I've been in remission for uh 11 years and I'm doing a lot of still doing a lot of things helping players and you know helping the community I'm in and uh, and former players. I'm a transition coach now. So when guys retire from football, the NFL has a program they call Bridge to Success, which has been going on now for about five years, um, that we we sit down with them and share with them their resources. We try to make sure they have a game plan, uh, make sure that they, are, they know that they are not alone. There's people they can call and different things that we can do to, to help them no matter where they are. And uh that's been a great great program for me. And um also and at this point in my life I still have three young kids, as I mentioned before, my youngest is fifteen. I have a daughter who is now a freshman here in, in San Diego at San Diego State, and another son who's a, a redshirt sophomore at Boston College who's playing football there. Um and uh, you know, a wife who is who is um a good mother to my kids and um you know we're enjoying life and enjoying the all the different experiences that we're exposed to and you know that 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 brings you up to now i guess
2: yeah what an amazing journey you've had mike it's incredible and i know you mentioned here now you have six kids you're a seasoned father but what was it like about how old were you when you first became a dad and how did that kind of change your perspective on life
1: well i was uh about 26 when i had my first child and um it changed my life because I realized a lot. You know, really, not through the pregnancy, but as soon as the baby was born, I realized what a miracle and what a responsibility. You know, to be a father. Uh, in some ways, it, I also started passing judgment on my own dad. <laughs> you know, I hate to say it, but my my dad was kind of an absentee dad, and um, and I didn't. And before, I kind of thought I understood that, but after having my own my own family. I realized that maybe my dad could have been a little bit better and uh and focused on us a little more. But um it's uh you know it's a great responsibility that I love and also it also helped me understand how as parents we can shape our kids to think and be certain types of people um and just by the experiences that we share with them and realize that um, there are so many things that we need to be educated on to be good parents and and, and to know, uh, information that we need to know. As an example, reading. Um, it is so important that your kids read by the time they're three years old. You know, I'm sure I didn't read by the time I was three years old, and as a result of that, there are times when I was in college and I'd sit there and trying to trying to study, and, and I'm, I'm like turning pages like I'm reading something, but at the end of it, if you were to ask me some questions, I, I wouldn't remember um and but if i had learned to read as a at a real young age i would have been reading for information like that at a super young age all of my youth um so um you know being being a father and having that experience uh has really given me an opportunity to to see how people can be shaped and how communities can be shaped and why um you know psychologists and people like that who are who have a lot of experience in uh in shaping people and shaping communities you need to be um you know you need to be aware of some of these things that are going on and, and they can help you do that.
2: Yeah, very well said, Mike. And I speak about it all the time on the podcast here that we have this fatherless crisis in our country right now and wherever you see this high percentage of absentee fathers or or no fathers in the home, you see it correlated in the stats with the high crime, high teenage pregnancy, high drug use and all across the board. I just think if we could get um you know, fathers to be prominent in their kids' lives again, I think most of the problems we're facing in our country would start to go away.
1: I agree with that. I agree with that wholeheartedly and uh another thing I hope I'm not going to upset anybody now. Everybody is different, obviously, but um once I had my child and my first one, I realized how much I loved that kid and 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 I wondered, could I love somebody else's kid as much as I love this kid? I don't think so, <laughs> you know so um. And the only reason I say it because you know I was pretty much raised by my stepfather, not my real dad and uh and so um I realized that it would be almost impossible for my stepfather to love me as much as my as if I was his kid i, I think uh and so I'm saying that, I know there's a lot of people who are gonna call in and say he's wrong, um but that's my experience and um and that's what I've noticed um, from my life and my friends' lives. Uh, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think it's something that needs to be, um, thought about, uh, and, uh, and dads need to really think about as well. I mean, stepfathers need to really think about it. Like, am I doing the same things? Um, you know, does my kid, does this kid who is not my kid feel like I am his dad and I love him like he's my own? Or does it matter? Or can you have the, the love that you have for your child and when it's not yours, um, is it okay that if you? You can have a different kind of love. I think it is. I think you can say, "I'm, you know, you know, I'm not your dad, but I love you so much." I, I think that they, that that would go over a long ways, and people could feel that. But it is a different kind of love, I think.
2: Yeah, I, I would agree. But I and on the other side of that too, I would think that it's so important whether to have that stepfather figure in the life rather than to be. I know there's a lot of single moms that are doing a tremendous job out there, but an overwhelming amount of them that that have either no you know no male role model at all in the household for the child that's a totally different uh, uh, ball game
1: yeah and that's a tough one you know and um i feel sorry for for those kids that are grow up without a, a dad in the home you know uh and those mothers who are doing it you know kudos to them it's a tough job and hopefully they're not doing it without any support hopefully at least their family their brothers their their dad or, you know, their family members um, are helping them uh, fulfill those roles because there's a lot of conversations that, you know, these kids need to have with a, a male figure in their life. Uh, when you're starting to date, you know, mom can say certain things, but, you know, dad can say other things, you know, and I think those conversations are important and, and what you're, you know, why you want to be successful and, um, you know, and, and, uh, and explaining to, to, to your kids. What's actually going on in the world? Because, you know, I I feel like, you know, there's a a different viewpoint. You're going to have two different people, uh, male and female, and, even though they're same age or same culture, same community. They might have different viewpoints just because they see things through a man's eyes or through a woman's eyes. And and I I know a man can see both ways and a woman can see both ways. But for the most part, I think those conversations – um, would need to be had, and for a kid to have total understanding. But you know, thank God, it, you know, you can still grow up and be a good person no matter what. Um, but uh, it's it's all about the experience, and hopefully, moms are, are aware of that when they're when they're doing it without a, a father, um, and uh, can try to um, to um, you know take that into consideration when they're doing different things in their lives and experiences that they give to their kids.
2: Yeah, well said, Mike. And I recently had uh, Titus O'Neill on the show, WWE superstar, and he grew up, you know, just with a single mom, and and he said that his mom was able to do everything. The only thing she wasn't able to do was teach him how to be a man. And, and so it's one of those things where you definitely need to have. That. And if you don't have that in the home, you're going to find it somewhere else. And that's if you, and a lot of kids now. I mean, the football is a great outlet for many kids to get that male role model, especially if they get into a good coach or a good system. Uh, But also today, parents, just like you said, your mom was afraid of putting you in because it's a a dangerous game. Many parents struggle with this, especially now with all those reports that are out there about PTE. So uh, how do you feel about young kids playing contact football? What do you think is a good age for them to start?
0: Nothing beats an American flag made in the USA, right? Well, how about an American flag made in the USA by veterans out of duty-worn fatigues from all branches of the military? That is exactly what you get with Combat Flags. Combat Flags are handcrafted from duty-worn fatigues and offer a tangible piece of freedom to the American people. Each flag is accompanied by a professionally designed and printed card that tells the story of service of a soldier, marine, airman, sailor, or coastie who wore the fatigues used to make the flag. They are the real deal, Dad, so what are you waiting for? Visit CombatFlags.com and use the promo code FATHER and First Class Fatherhood listeners will save 10% off their purchase. Veteran-owned, American-made, CombatFlags.com, promo code FATHER. How do you feel about
2: young kids playing contact football, what do you think is a good age for them to start? Um, well,
1: I started, um, you know, in 10th grade. Um, but I actually think that kids can start younger, but I don't think, I think the, the practices and the games and everything would have to be different um like i i really i would like to see tackle football change where kids can practice in tackle and in, in uniform and you know with the equipment on and things like that but may not have real games uh until they're older um you know i think it, it's a lot of fun to you know build can bond as a team as a unit um with um you know just through practice and you know it, it doesn't have to be every day it's not like you have a game on saturday you're just learning the you're learning the sport you're learning how to tackle you're learning how to catch learning how to you know make moves on guys and things like that, and you look forward to it when you're gonna be old enough to actually play and so maybe you would start when you're around you know tenth grade I don't know how old that is 14, fourteen fifteen years old um you know for tackle football, but other sports you could play i mean even you could play football, you could play flag football, you could even play um tackle football, but maybe you don't play a game every week you know uh, you might play you know, um, every other week or something like that. And for the most part, you're learning how to block, how to, you know, all these other different skills that are important to the sport.
2: Yeah, and I'll tell you what, high school football has become like oh, as big as college football in some states. I mean, it is it is huge now. It's televised a lot of times nationally. It's that you deal with, you know, kids transitioning from college to the pros. What about for the, the parents out there that have, uh, high school kids that are getting all the uh, attention from the big name colleges. What kind of advice would you have for those parents on how to steer the, steer their
1: kids? Um, well, uh, to talk to the coaches and find out, you know what what happens after this experience. You know, um, like you want your kid. N- not every kid is going to make it to the National Football League. Uh, matter of fact, very very small percentage are going to make it, and so you want to make sure that that school is a school that's going to help your son or daughter um for many years to come you know that um like they have a history of you know kids coming from there graduating and transitioning well maybe working with their their alumni to uh to help them figure out what they want to do and point them in the right direction and maybe even help them with their you know first job it may not be working for them but for someone that one of the alums knows so um i just say you need to be Careful, you can't just say um, I'm going to put him in, in this school because they're national champions and my son is going to be a great player there and all that. I think you need to do your homework and and ask. Okay, so can I talk to some of the kids who um, went to school here eight years ago, ten years ago, and talk about their experience and how they transitioned when they didn't make it into the NFL or after their NFL or pro career? You know, how did the school help them? You know, why should my son or daughter go to this school? versus these other six schools who are recruiting them. Even though you won a national championship, and it might be cool that my son or daughter wins a national championship, um, life is a lot longer than this. I mean, when they get out of college, they're going to be 22, 23 years old, and they've got about another 80-plus years to live. You know, uh, you know, and so they're going to need some help with transition. And um the the school, if they're really serious about their athletes, they want to make sure that these kids are are transitioning in a a manner that everybody can be proud of. I I know in my past, uh, I know a lot of guys that um, they feel like the only reason that the school had them there was to play the sport. They really didn't care about them. And um, and I've encouraged parents to have conversations um, with the school uh, about these kinds of things so that if they didn't have programs, if they keep getting questions about what they do, then they can start to institute these different kinds of programs that will be great for the kids that are going there playing sports.
2: Yeah, great advice, Mike. And how about as far as being a disciplinarian as a father? What type of disciplinarian are you, and has it changed from your 40-year-old to your 15-year-old? Yeah, you uh,
1: you know, when I was a kid, my parents, they spanked us, you know. And so when my first child was born, I remember when he was about six years old, um, we were calling them to the dinner table and, and I said, Hey, it's time to eat and he and he says, I don't wanna eat. And I said, Well we're gonna go eat. No, I'm not gonna eat and and so I said, You can't tell me no. No, 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 no. He just kept going, you know. And I said, Oh shoot and so I grabbed something and I spanked him on his hand. And then I felt like so bad. I've never hit any of my kids <laughs> except the first one. And I and I realized uh I, I realized that I'm gonna have to find another way I can't do what my parents did, you know. I'm gonna have to find another way, and it is much more difficult to do it the other way. I mean, spanking is like easy, you know. Do what I say, and everything's gonna be okay. Um, but if if it's, if you got to convince them, or you got to talk to them about it, and and those kinds of things, it's a little bit more difficult. And uh, I I can't say I I'm perfect. Um, I'm sure I'm not perfect when it comes to um having these conversations with my kid, but you gotta have them and you gotta talk to them about the consequence of, uh, you know, of, of doing certain things, um, and just be committed to it. I think that all of my kids would, would say that they knew right from wrong and they were, they were prepared to pay the consequences. They knew what some of the consequences would be in our family. Um, but it is not an easy, it is not an easy thing to do to, uh, to, to, um, to talk about or to deal with, um, but it's something that you have to, if you want your kids to to have good experiences and understand that their consequences matter. I mean, their their behavior matters. What their words matter.
2: All those things. It's important. Yeah, yeah. Well said, Mike. And I, I often wonder about it, just because it seems like disciplining, as far as spanking, it always seems to get uh, you know less and less as the years go down to generations. Like the, my father was born in 1930, and then his father, like the, the style of discipline. Well, the few times I've spanked my kids, i felt so guilty afterwards. I just wonder how they could have done it like that and not felt that. I guess you have to have some type of justification in your mind to to make it okay when you do it.
1: Well, yeah, I guess you do. And but hey, I can tell you when, when the, the more I thought about it later, I mean, uh, as an example, this is, this is going to be super private and super personal, and everybody's going to know this now. But as a young kid, I was a bedwetter and my dad would wake me up pull the covers back and see if my bed was wet if it was wet he spanked me you know i'm like going you know dad and and later when i'm older i'm thinking you think i did that on purpose <laughs> you know oh, what i mean yeah. you know like why didn't he understand that i needed some other kind of help you know that kind of a thing and um and so so i i started thinking like yeah i get it when my parents say i want you to be home at 11 o'clock and you're not at home at eleven. Okay, I I did something really wrong. I you know I, I I made a bad choice. But if it's something where I didn't have, I didn't even make that choice. You know, it just I couldn't. I didn't know I didn't how could I control it? Why would I still get a spanking for that? So um, yeah, you know, just diff- different things. I just think using a little common sense um will you know, it, you know it goes a long ways. And um, and if people are having trouble with these different things, they you know they should ask for help. You know, I, and I, and that's one of the things that I do. If if it's bothering me or my wife, it's uh, bothering her, we said, hey, we should see a counselor. We should go see, you know, we should do something because we just can't keep doing the same thing and expect a different
2: result. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And what what was it like for you, Mike, uh, you know, to be enshrined in the NFL uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame there and to have your family present? What was that experience like for you?
1: Um, super emotional. Um, it's, you know, it's it's one of those, things that happens um very rarely and uh but you know i don't think there's a lot of things that happen in our lives that cause us to reflect back on on everything uh and so in preparation for that day where i know i'm going to be speaking i had to really think like why did i even start playing sports and um and then i realized how much my stepfather loved sports and how much he wanted us to love sports and how much my mom loved sports and you know uh, I never really thought about that growing up uh and and then thinking about the coaching that I had and the, the experiences I had on the different teams um you know where either I made a big mistake and we lost the game or I made a great play and we won the game, all those different experiences and and how they all play a role in in um you know the me becoming the person I had become and um realizing that I was gonna be sharing this experience with a lot of people that had been in my life my entire life. Uh, and, and some just as teammates and others, um, you know, in elementary school and just living in my neighborhood and uh, being an example for a lot of other kids that had the same type of experiences that I had. Uh, it all kind of came to a head and I really did get emotional and uh, um, still pretty young when you when you realize you are going to live a lot longer if you can have good health. Uh, yeah, still pretty young when I was going through that, but you would you would like to sometimes you'd like to think this is the way I want my life to end <laughs> you know. Uh but it's it's happening when you're in your thirties or forties or fifties. Um uh and you still have plenty of life to live. So uh I was I was very fortunate, very lucky to to have the people in my life that I did and the experiences that I had and I was glad that um you know my faith kept me in there when there were different things that you know happened that I could've quit injuries or poor seasons or poor play. Uh I, you know, I stayed after it and um and every reason to feel proud and to be able to talk to young people and other people about what I experienced and hopefully it'll help them um have better outcomes in their lives.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's awesome, Mike, and then talk about and then go from a contrast with that to be on an ultimate high of being enshrined in the Hall of Fame and then being hit with uh cancer. What was the what was the response from your family when you or did you let them know right away your kids and stuff what was their reaction to all that Well it,
1: it's 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 kind of funny I didn't want anybody to know I didn't want people to feel sorry for me and I told my wife you know let's just keep it between us and um and so you know I I just thought I for some reason I just thought this is not good this is my life is going to come to an end and I uh, never saw this coming and all that uh, even though the doctors were saying, you know, Mike, you're you're very fortunate. You caught this in the early stages when it's treatable. You're going to be fine. Well, I just thought they were being nice, you know, and um, um, and so the moment that I started talking about it, everything started to change. I I, I told a total stranger I was on an airplane, um, and um, oh, and I, you know, I like I always say to people when I get on the plane, hey, are you going home or where are you going? You know, and um. And she she said she was going to New York, and that's where I was going. And she was meeting her friend there, and she was going to go on vacation. And uh, she said, what about you? I said, well, you know, it's it's strange. I've just been diagnosed with prostate cancer. Uh, And uh, she goes, oh, I'm I'm an oncology nurse. I went, oh. (laughs) So we started talking, and she made me feel totally comfortable that we did find out in the early stages and that I am going to be fine. And so that opened the door for me to talk about it more, and I shared it with my mom, I shared it with my boss, I shared it with, um, you know, when this was when I was working at the NFL, um, and I, the more I shared it, the better I felt about it, and um, and I realized that this was going to be important um, for me going forward. So I got through it, and uh, later was asked to be the spokesperson for prostate cancer, and I did it gladly.
2: Wow. Yeah, that's incredible, Mike. That's awesome. And uh, I'm sure many people benefit now from your experience with it, so it's great that you're helping to touch so many different lives doing that. And what, what kind of goals, I mean, you've had, what, what a ride you've had here, Mike. What kind of goals or plans do you have for yourself here for the future?
1: Well, my goal now is I want to live to be 125. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that actually came with my, you know, with the cancer diagnosis. I realized, wow, you know, everything I've done in my life, I had goals. Uh, but i 've never really had a goal with regard to how long I wanted to live. I just figured yeah you just live and you when you when it's time to go you go but um as soon as I set the goal, different things started to happen. I started to change my diet, I started working out again um you know uh, uh you know I started listening to you know nutritious uh comments and watching shows My wife got super smart all of a sudden too you know, uh, as a result of this because she she was always saying these things to me and I just never really listened. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Um, but um, now with the new goal of wanting to live to be 125, I realize, you know, that I'm not too old to do anything that, you know, like if you want to go back to school, become a lawyer, I, I'm not too old. I'm, I'm only 66. I can, still, I can still go. i got plenty of years of practice and I've still got good health and all that. Um, and uh, it's like doing nothing and just retiring and playing golf. Um, I'm way too young to do that. So um, I'm still setting goals, still working with my kids um, to try and help them. Still working with my community. Um, still working with retired players and even current players and youth players to try and help those guys have better outcomes in their lives, and make better decisions. Uh, I'm excited. I'm you know um, I'm motivated to, to to get up every morning and um, hopefully um, make a difference in the world.
2: Yeah, that's inspirational stuff. Mike, last thing I'm going to hit you with here, I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new father or for that about-to-be dad who's out there listening?
1: Um, Realize that this child um, hopefully will be in the world a long time, but there's no guarantees. And so you want to start enjoying your child from the moment, from the earliest moment you could and can and uh and cherish those moments, take lots of pictures, talk about it, um talk about the experience and um and and try to enjoy every single day you can with them. yeah,
2: very well said. I love the message. It's been an honor for me. I got to say Mike Haynes, you're a first class father all the way, and thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time on first class fatherhood.
1: I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you.
0: Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Mike Haynes for giving me a few minutes of his time here. That was so cool. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, or drop me that DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to read your feedback. Lock it in. Tomorrow we got a fresh Frogman Friday edition of First Class Fatherhood coming at you. Retired Navy SEAL Floyd McLendon, who is now running for Congress in the state of Texas, is going to be joining me here. So don't miss out on that. And next week is going to be lit, guys. Join me on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace to find out all of the upcoming guest announcements. That's all I got for you guys today. I'm Alec Lace. You have been listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers.